That's it's a lot. My of phone's probably going to start blowing up here in about a minute or so. Well, that's going to be silly. Well, we're recording now too, so that was the first thing cool. anybody heard on the podcast tonight. That's exactly what they expected to hear, I bet. Uh, that's okay though, because you know, I guess the the this beer didn't make very much noise when I opened it because it's in a growler and. <laughs> been sitting there in the fridge for possibly a couple of days too long wondered i should have let it but anyways it's good beer so i'm gonna i'm gonna pour me some beer then i'm gonna pour chris some beer uh while i'm doing that crow what you drinking oh also crow's on the podcast hello again yeah it's been a little while Uh, i'm drinking water because i have to be up early tomorrow yeah well i have to be up early tomorrow but i'm irish so you know it's okay apparently yeah I guess. Anyways, uh, so what do you rate that water on a scale of 3 to 17? Um, I rate it on, well, give me a second. Got to let it go across your palate and, uh, you know, hold it in your mouth for a second and then swallow, but keep your mouth closed so you get the uh, aromatics kind of flowing through there. Yeah. Something like that. Check the mouth feel. How's the mouth feel on that water? I'm, I'm waiting for the clock to hurry up and roll over. It's a shitty joke, but <laughs> hold on. Right. Also, so is this is this riveting? Uh, yes. Uh, well, it's either riveting or bolting. Haha, that was a metalworking joke. Ha-ha. You didn't. That one's that better. Coming. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I literally <laughs> did not. So, welcome to Drink to the Past. If you haven't gathered that you're on Drink to the Past by now, which you probably should have, because you clicked a button that said "Listen to Drink to the Past," or you know, you downloaded it and then you got like the VLC <laughs> player up, and you're like, "I don't remember what I downloaded from like two years ago." And then you start listening to it, and you just hear these couple of jackasses start saying words, and you're like, "They haven't even introduced themselves. Is this supposed to be a podcast?" Right. Anyways. Just randos talking. I'm Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. Crow is Crow. We've already introduced him. And this is Chris. And I'm Chris, some amount of last name Audet. All right. Some amount of last name. Like, it's not Audet. It's just some amount of that. Like, just aw. Or debt. Or D. The letter D. Mm-hmm. Just the letter D. Yeah, just the letter D. Right. <laughs> Anyways, be sure to share and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we do things like beer ratings and apparently water ratings. Yeah. 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 I feel like I feel like everyone should do a water rating. It gives us a scale that we we know how they scale things. Then, right? It's it's so weird though because it in like in Colorado, in different cities, like the water actually like legit has different tastes. Yeah, like the water at Chris's house tastes terrible because you live in Wheat Ridge, or like close enough to Wheat Ridge that you, you get know, like Wheat Ridge water. Well, that's your problem. Yep. Like, I think it's technically Arvada, but most water claim, in Arvada is way better. People always claim it tastes like <clears throat> nail polish. I just don't see it. Or taste it. Totally tastes like nail polish. It's weird as fuck. <laughs> You've just, you know, been drinking it for so long you're desensitized. Anyways, here, Chris, try this thing. I bought you a, uh, and by bought you, I mean created you. You can you don't have to drink the whole thing, but take a taste. Because this is an old drink that we used to drink all the time in college. Does it ring any bells it's a very simple cocktail known as kool-aid and vodka ah i don't <laughs> think i drink that in college oh, wait, we totally did all the time it was like either kool-aid or mountain dew whichever we happen to have huh i 
Like that oh, time no, in No, I remember house. the Mountain Dew, definitely. You know, I don't remember a lot of that. <laughs> okay, well, apparently you had a lot of Kool-Aid and Mountain Dew. <laughs> Not sure I if mean, that Kool-Aid means that I had it or if I... If right. I had, like, a lot of it, so or if I just I'll didn't finish the rest of that, because you have to drive. But also, we have beer. Uh, today's beer of the week <laughs> is brought to us by Golden City Brewery, which I happened to go out to the other day. And uh, they have, uh, actually, this is a version of the first beer I ever drank legally. Uh, when I woke up on my 21st birthday, I was eating breakfast, and my brother came upstairs and said, Hey, I've had this in the fridge for a few Shit. weeks. You want to drink it? And I was like, okay. Uh, so this is the Centurion Barley Wine Ale. Um... But this is a special version of it, which you might notice is uh, a little different from most barley wines. Hell of a lot smoother, isn't it? Yeah, shit, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this barley wine is barrel-aged for 22 months in single malt barrels, which gives it a really kind of a crazy different characteristic. Oh, man. Uh, it goes down like butter. <laughs> no wonder you picked up a 64 ounces of that. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. Shit. Mm, that's good alright so that brings us to our news and booze segment where we will at some point over the course of the gaming news talk about our radar booze uh, so let's see first uh, news piece we have here today uh, this last week there was a Nintendo Indie World Showcase uh, which didn't have a ton of things I was horribly interested in, but I think the highlights were uh, Dreamscaper looked kind of cool, Sports Story is a Golf Story sequel, Axiom Verge 2 is a Axiom Verge sequel, in case you couldn't guess by the title, uh, and Boyfriend Dungeon, which is the most hilariously stupid-looking game ever. It's like you're going through a dungeon, and all of the weapons transform into hot boys that you can date, so it's also a dating sim. Uh, I'm glad there's finally equality in the genre. Mm-hmm. Because, like, uh, this I, I can't say so, anything more. I feel like, like, all of the natural, like, sword and penetration jokes that are just going to come out of this must be worth the price tag of the game, no matter what it is. I'd say that's <laughs> the weirdest game since Had a Full Boyfriend, but, uh... Right. Uh, Crow, did you watch the indie showcase? I watched a recap of it. The, like... Lottery style game maker thing seems pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, was there anything else that called. stuck out to you too, uh, or any of these titles I mentioned? Uh, not really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like it wasn't a terrible presentation, but like most of the games, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Um, I know people are all like super loving on Bird Skater and. Like, why? Oh, yeah, Skatebird, yeah. That is, that. like, you know, it's funny. Watching the gameplay, it looks like it plays almost exactly like Tony Hawk's Underground or something like that from, <laughs> like, back in the day, Pro Skater or something. And I, I was kind of getting some of those vibes from it, but it's a bird on a skateboard. And I was like, I kind of want it a little as a skateboard game because, you know, they haven't, like, Tony Hawk games haven't been relevant in, like, 15 years or something so that might be yeah. a nice thing to come back to but i'm not sure i would want to pay kind of, full price for it so maybe a weird bird version of it I'm is better actually kind of nostalgic for the old tony hawk right games. i feel like it this game's market is people with that kind of nostalgia yeah because <laughs> it looks like if if you like 
put a bird in instead of Tony Hawk, it looks identical to those games. Huh. <laughs> which is weird. Which is also weird because Tony Hawk is named after a bird. Conspiracy? Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and also, oddly unrelated to the indie world, a limited run version of Celeste, a physical version, oh, shit. was available and then sold out in seconds. Oh, yeah. Because people right. love the hell out of Celeste. Yeah, that's a good game. It's a... You know, it's a... I'd say it's a good game. Uh, I'm... I'm less positive... I'm almost entirely positive on it, but I'm not so positive that I would understand how it would sell out in seconds. Right. Um, I mean... Follow me on Twitter know my feelings about it. Yeah, what do you think about it? I, I, I love... You on Twitter, but I don't remember you specifically talking about this game. I spent like an entire night bitching about it. Oh, I yeah. love the game up until the last two levels. Oh, yeah? At which point, fuck that game. <laughs> Is it a difficulty thing, or, uh... Yeah, like, it's difficult to the point that it's just unfair. I mm. felt that way about the third level in Celeste, but I actually, I like the rest of the game a lot better. Hmm. I haven't got quite that far. I think I'm on the third level we decided last time we were talking about it. Yeah. And, uh... Like, I, I didn't get to a point where I felt like it was unfair, but I got to a point where I felt like playing Fire Emblem more. Like, so, don't get me wrong. It's a good game, and it is worth playing. Yeah. I'd like to come back to it someday. It's, it's one of those things on my on my backlog list there. That and, you know, 10, 15 other games. Like, you, weren't you the one on the Discord saying you were actually tracking a list of backlog games you want to get to? Yeah, I made a list of games that I started and haven't finished yet, so I'm going to finish them next year, and I'm at 15. Right, yeah. Oh, more booze news, personal booze news. I finally beat Noida. Neat. So, uh... Booze Clues. Yeah. You booze get Clues. Bl booze Clues? Yeah. Yeah. Booze... Blues, news, and booze clues. You tried. Just say that five times fast. <laughs> uh, I'll drink to that. <laughs> That is good vodka and Kool-Aid. Mm -mm. Anyway, um, next piece of booze news. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake box art has been revealed, and it shows a disclaimer that it is only going to be PS4 exclusive until March 2nd, 2021. Uh, which, th I, I feel like this isn't a huge surprise. Most Final Fantasy games eventually wander away to other systems. It's more of we a surprise Final that Fantasy VII there on was... Fuck everything now. It's more of a surprise that there's actually a disclaimer on there naming the exact date. Right, yeah, I thought that was also kind of odd, because normally, I, like, there's not a disclaimer on the box art for stuff like that. Is I'm there? Like, I don't think that's a smart no. business decision, but I like it. I, right. It's, like, refreshingly But on the other honest. hand, then, like, they could also be, like, uh, you know, on that date in March 2021, Sony could be like, hey, we're going to re-up, but make a PS5 version. <laughs> <laughs> It's no longer a PS4 exclusive. It's a PS5 it's exclusive. It's the big troll. Right. Um, so, any uh, thoughts on that, particularly, Crow? I have the foolish hope that it'll be on the Switch. Yeah, I think there's a vague possibility of it in the future, but I imagine the game is going to be so fucking big that it's going to be hard as hell to compress into a Switch cartridge size. Uh, yeah. Or even, like, a legitimate download. Because, like, even if you make it, a, like, a download-only game, 
that's like more than the Switch's internal memory, so it's going to be like, you have to have an SD card to play this game. Um, yeah. Or or maybe, even, like, with as big as PS4 games are sometimes, I wouldn't be surprised also if it was like, you have to have an SD card and you have to have the physical cartridge, and it's like 32 gigs on each or something. That, you know, I, I could see it easily being that big. Um, so I would love to see it on Switch. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think it's possible, but I'm not extremely hopeful. Um, next piece of booze news, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition is delayed until summer 2020, which is a little sad because it was going to come out in January, so I was excited about that. <laughs> but uh, it uh, seems like it's actually going to have some interesting things coming out of the delay because they specifically said that uh, they were delaying it for just, you know, some of the last-minute kind of things. And apparently they're also adding cross-play between PS4, PC, and Switch. Holy and shit. And cross-saving between all those consoles. Okay. All right. Now I'm, thank you, So I'm, uh, I'm kind of on board with that, yeah. Yeah, I, will, uh, I might buy that. I'm I not sure if I'm going to... for multiple systems. Yeah, I, I would consider buying it for multiple systems, you know, because then I could play on my PS4 while, you know, somebody else is playing on my... Or my, you know, play with my kids on the Switch or something. And also, no one's going to bitch about... Uh, needing four Game Boy Advances and four linker cables this That'll time. <laughs> yeah. Because online play is, like, a real thing. Yeah. So this, I guess, 2020 is the year that Crystal Chronicles might actually get the success it deserves. Yeah, because that game was fucking amazing. Because I think, like, you and me are one of the few people that had a group of four buddies that actually got all to get because actually i had all of the link cables and game boys and shit yeah and brought it over and we played the fuck out of crystal chronicles i think we beat it at least twice i i was definitely there for us beating it at least the once yeah uh, i know i also beat it on my own a couple of times other than that with my brothers and and then just once solo i played through the whole game again at some point and then the moogle got tired it, yeah that was that was annoying as hell in, in single player uh crow did you ever play any crystal chronicles back on the gamecube i didn't but i do plan to get it on my switch yeah uh definitely a great game worth getting uh especially with uh you know obviously cross play and with even just online play you can be like hey let's team up with somebody if i did have awesome. to say one thing i'd say play it with at least one other person don't play it solo. It's just not as not as good solo. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because uh, just one of the mechanics that you have to worry about is carrying around the your bucket full of magical stuff that keeps you safe from the evil, you know, miasma in the air in the rest of the world. And in the single player version, it gives you like an NPC Moogle that carries it around for you. But he gets tired, like way more quickly than he should and then isn't very fast and then like that's always at the time when you're trying to run away from a giant monster to heal up or something and it's like ah you stupid moogle or you're fighting a bo or you're fighting a boss right yeah and you're like i need to dodge the boss's attacks but the moogle isn't moving fast enough <clears throat> which is also it's sometimes it's hilarious in multiplayer though because one of the players actually needs to carry the bucket to keep everybody safe and sometimes that's hilarious when, like, they shirk their duty or, you know, when the boss moves in unexpected ways or something. So that's I thought that was a really cool mechanic, though. Game Anyways, friends. Nintendo Switch passes Xbox One worldwide sales. 
that's a thing. Yeah. Um, not much to say about that, I guess. I we all saw this coming like two years ago. Yeah. It's uh. <laughs> it was like it was on track then. It's it's, it's you know kept on pace and and then it passed it. I feel like Xbox One seems to be the clear loser of the generation. Yeah. I mean, if you look at raw sales, Xbox is a clear uh, loser every generation. Ooh, that's true. Not to say that I've ever had anything against Xbox, but yeah, they they don't sell as well for whatever reason. Um, and I, I personally have felt no good reason to buy an Xbox One, particularly. Like, this whole generation, I've been, like, looking for more than just a Halo game that's not developed by Bungie to draw me in. And, like, a Halo game that's not developed by Bungie is still slightly less interesting than it would be if it was a Halo game developed by Bungie. Because I like Bungie. And they make good games. And, like, yeah. Halo 4 wasn't bad, but it, that was the first one developed by... Uh, 343? Yeah, 343. Um, and, like, it wasn't bad, but it, it just didn't quite have the same feel somehow as the other great. Halos. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, it's... it's fine but you know it was especially hard i think coming after reach yeah yeah that was a hard game to follow up and i, I feel like it just <clears throat> had no draw compared to any of the other halo games i'd ever played and i i didn't even finish the single player campaign so i'm like you know with as with the, as short as halo campaigns are i assume it was probably like an eight to ten hour campaign or something and, Something and, like that. and I didn't even get through it. <laughs> it was Just a very lackluster ending. Yeah. Uh, I do have one last piece of booze news. Okay. Which uh, is a kind of sad piece of booze we'll news. We'll get maybe. that, and then we'll do our Game Awards booze news, which I apparently deleted from there. But uh, and I, so I do have apparently the studio responsible for animating Sonic and the Sonic the Hedgehog movie after pulling out, uh, hours, weeks, months of crunch time to reanimate that disaster into something that actually looked good. Everyone was... Uh, the studio was closed down. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that sucks. Yeah. Like, it sounds like there wasn't even, like, a hell of a lot of crunch. It sounds like there was some crunch, because I was reading a report that apparently, like, because first there was a bunch of fake reports that's like, oh, it cost $50 million to reanimate. It's got this many million dollars, you know, and it, they were all fake. And then the studio was like, no, it crossed approximately $5 million, which in movie budget terms is not that... Like, it, it's a it's good a, chunk, it's, but it's not it's not crippling if you can make it back yet uh, with a good box office. Yeah. And they didn't have too much crunch because literally the only animated scenes they had done were specifically made for the trailer. So they didn't have to reanimate most of the scenes. They just had to pull some extra hours to redesign Sonic to reanimate those scenes that were in the trailer and then animate the rest of the scenes that had not even been animated yet. Uh, yeah, business is which, equal. Yeah. So it's, I feel like there was, that. that's weird that there was like not all that much problem and, and now the place is, is going under. Yeah, I guess they, that seems to be a really common thing with mm. studios of all kinds though is a, yeah, I guess if you're not Pixar and being an animation studio is hard as shit. Yeah. Or a game development studio. Yeah, If you're not, not Nintendo. Yeah. You know. 
Um, so anyways, last piece of booze news, of course, is the Game Awards was yesterday. Uh, Crow, did you watch the whole thing? You, Yeah, you did. You I, were up tweeting with yeah. me, weren't you? Or, uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we were chatting on Discord and having a hell of a time-ish. Because <laughs> this, this was a weird-ass Game Awards. Um, a lot of trailers. Yeah, a ton of trailers. Uh, glossed over a lot of awards, and we'll get to all that. So I'm going to go through my notes. Um, and then we'll just kind of talk about everything, unless there's something specifically that jumps out to you, then stop me and, uh, we'll talk about that for a second. Uh, so five minutes into the show, they give the first award to Death Stranding, which, you know, instantly everybody on Twitter was fired up. I thought that was funny. They're like, oh, five minutes in, Death Stranding has an award. Death Stranding's gonna win everything, because, because Kojima and, and Jeff Keighley, and And I'm like, guys, calm down. It, it, it won one award. Uh, it, it, it won another one later. But anyways, best soundtrack, Death, uh, Death Stranding. Uh, then there was four eSports awards that were glossed over in the pre-show and nobody gave a shit. Uh, <laughs> no More Heroes 3 had a trailer. A uh, really trippy one. Uh, it's going to release in 2020. Um, also, there was an extended version of the trailer put on Nintendo's YouTube channel right then, which is like a lot better and a lot more clear about what the hell's going on while at the same time being kind of trippy and like, what the fuck is going on? Which is what I love about No More Heroes. So, I don't understand why they didn't just go with the full trailer. Like, like why not? I don't know. The, the cut version that they used in the Game Awards seemed like very vague and like... I mean, it kind of worked for what it did, but it's like, you got so much more info for what's going on and it it's a lot more No More Heroes feeling if you watch the, the full thing. Best fighting game was Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Not, uh, no surprise. Not not really a big Not even remotely. It, it was yeah, you know. What was uh, their competition? Um let's see, Mortal Kombat eleven, Jumping Force, and two other games I never heard of. I think. <laughs> it, it was uh, Smash and Mortal Kombat and then Jump Force uh Dyer, Shit, hold on. I don't know. There's three other games that were there. Yeah, like I, I remember like no being like, there. oh yeah, that those games. Yeah, they're they're not gonna beat Smash. Uh, Dead or Alive. Okay, Dead or Alive. I didn't even know a Dead or Alive game released this year, and I was like, wait, a Dead or Alive game released? Because I Very like much. I haven't even paid attention to the Dead or Alive series in like years. The last Dead or Alive game I bought was literally a launch title for 3DS. The last Dead or Alive game I even heard of was Extreme Beach Volleyball 2. What was that, PS2? <laughs> I think that was a Xbox 360 era. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. Right. Um, yeah, uh, so no big surprise there. Best RPG went to Disco Elysium. Uh, then they had a big trailer for the Xbox Series X, which is the new console launching in holiday 2020, which I don't understand why they're calling it Series X. It like, that's a, that's a weird name anyway. And coming from the Xbox One X to the Xbox Series X is like weird and confusing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. I don't know. Like the promise of a big giant ass powerful console is like fine, but like. Uh, I don't know. I'm not totally sold on it from that trailer. I might have been sold on it because the next thing they showed was in-engine footage 
which looked fucking amazing for Senua's Saga, which is Hellblade 2. Uh, Hellblade 1 came out, uh, let's see, last year, I think. Uh, got a lot of critical reviews that were just a lot, a lot of acclaim from critics and fans. Just seems like a really cool game. That's one that I've been meaning to pick up for a while, and now that a sequel's announced, I'm like, maybe I'm going to get that. But then I'm not sure if I want to, you know, buy a whole new Xbox for, you know, one game. But, right. you know, maybe there'll be Halo, too. Who knows? They should have at least three fantastic games. Ooh. They want to we know there's going to be a new Halo. Yeah, Halo Infinite is coming out. That's going to be a launch title for it, too, I believe. Yes. Um, yeah. So we've got at least two. Uh, and Halo Infinite actually looks pretty promising. I Because uh, I think there was just the one trailer at E3 uh, last year, or uh, this year. Um, but it, it looked pretty good. So I'm more excited about that than I have been about Halo for a while. Uh, so... You know, I'd, I'd still probably give it a go. Um, anyways, uh, then there was a Mortal Kombat 11 DLC trailer featuring the Joker. So the Joker, like from Batman, is coming to Mortal Kombat 11. Huh. That's going to be interesting, I suppose. Um, you, you played Mortal Kombat 11, Crow? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> right. Uh, last Mortal Kombat I played was on the Nintendo 64. You're a little out of date. A little bit. <laughs> uh, so, are you excited about Joker coming? You think that's going to add a lot to the game? What? Do you think Joker is going to add a lot to the game? Or uh you excited uh, for that at all? I honestly couldn't care less. Hmm. Like, I'd be more interested in Harley right. than Joker. Like... It's fine. I like the Joker's getting representation, but it seems like a weird place to give him representation. Mortal Kombat. Well, he's still have interest in fatalities. <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, shortly after Godfall. that, they had a trailer for Godfall, which is the first announced PlayStation 5 launch title. Uh, that looked kind of interesting. Um, it's from Gearbox Studios, uh, who was the studio behind Borderlands. Um, and also the studio behind Aliens Colonial Marines. Ah. Because we shouldn't forget that. I did. And by that, I mean never heard of that one. That was the bad one. Okay. <laughs> Apparently Borderlands was the good one. Yeah. Borderlands was pretty good. Um, so, yeah, that, that looked kind of cool. Um, what did you think of Godfall, Crow? I'm excited. It looks amazing. Yeah, it, it, like, it looks pretty fun. It looks gorgeous. It, they didn't show us any gameplay, per se. Right, yeah, it was all like, cutscene kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, still from that, it looked pretty cool. Um, sound Design Award went to Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Uh, really? Yeah. I was, I was kind of surprised that uh, Sound Design went to a Call of Duty game, because they're not generally a series that I associate with anything other than, you know, shoving out a title a year just to make money. Uh, but actually, it, it sounds like this uh, uh, this Call of Duty is, like, actually getting a lot of acclaim. Uh, you were, you, yes. you liked this one pretty well, didn't you, Crow? Yeah, my roommates and I are actually playing it right now. Awesome. Um, I think 
they had an independent like sound team working on this. Okay. Which is why. Yeah. I can see how a really good sound design would benefit a game like this. I think that'd be kind of cool with the, you know, really getting into the sounds of what's going on, you know, in this sort of war setting. Uh, so mm. I, I haven't played it, but, uh, you know, the fact that it got uh, in there for sound design and managed to win, I thought was pretty cool. Uh, strategy game of the year went to Fire Emblem Three Houses. No big surprise there, because, like, the other four titles were, like, pretty much like out of nowhere titles what competition yeah <laughs> so uh nothing to report strategy games don't have a lot of representation anymore it seems yeah so, uh, that being said here's tactics super fucking excited right yeah um i'm just over here waiting for disgaea 6 right <laughs> <laughs> we got a uh, trailer for bravely default 2 uh, that sounds kind of cool. I'm excited about that. I haven't played, actually, either of the Bravely Default games before, but I played Octopath Traveler, which was made by the same team, and that was fucking amazing. It's my second favorite game of all time, so uh, I'm probably going to pick this up. Uh, Crow, did you play either of the Bravely Default games? I have not. Okay. Chris, did you? Uh, I started playing through the first one, and I was enjoying it, and then I just lost interest for whatever reason. Uh. I don't think the game... There's not really any specific thing I could point to. It's just maybe I was like, oh, I need to level grind in this area, and then I just stopped playing. Yeah, that, that's sometimes an issue in that style of RPG. Yeah. But, uh, you know. um, then, of all random things, there was a giant CGI trailer for Magic the Gathering's new set, uh, Theros Beyond Death. That's a weird thing to put in the video game choice awards. That's what I thought. Because um, uh, there's some overlap there. Like, yeah, you I'm and sure. I, I know, play Magic. I, I don't know if you play Magic, Crow. Uh, uh no. But I've, I feel like there's not enough overlap there to justify having a whole trailer in the video game choice awards for You're that. You're going to be surprised by how much more Magic the Gathering comes up in this list. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we're going to we're going to get that to that in a minute. Uh, next award was for art direction went to Control. Um, Control is weird cuz it's like a game that literally like I'm talking to people and nobody's ever heard of it but Crow and Crow I feel like you've only heard of it cuz you work at a game store. Right. <laughs> so uh like the the art looks fine. I think it looks cool, but I I was still just kind of confused by the existence of this game and the fact that it got nominated for like seven categories. Um, so it, it was kind of out of nowhere. Um, then uh, Sons of the Forest was announced. There was a trailer for it. It's a new game that looks creepy and cool. Is what I put on my notes, but actually I don't remember what it looked like right now. Um, League of Legends Ruined King is now now in development. Going to come out soon. It's a new single-player adventure from the League of Legends universe. I don't... I don't care anymore. I just don't. <laughs> was like, there was a time when League of Legends was like a big game in the list I would play, and uh, uh it's just, just not worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. I see you're out of beer. Would you like any more? And before you answer that question, know that this is a 16% beer. 
Uh, no thanks. Okay. I think that was a 16 out of 17 beer. 16 out of 17. All right. That's a good fucking beer. Uh, which it, it is. Um, but also a 16 out of percent, which is, yeah, that, that is high. That is a barley one. Yeah. All right. That's a barrel aged barley one for you. Uh, (laughs) anyways, uh, action game of the year was Devil May Cry 5. Um, did you play that, Crow? No. No? Okay. Then I don't, I don't think any of us did. I watched some of the cutscenes and I'm like, I kind of want to play it, but it's just one of those that I'm like not invested in enough that I want to go out and, you know, spend 60 bucks on it right away. So eventually I might get to it. I don't know. Um, A new Dungeons and Dragons video game is coming out for the first time in a, I feel like a long time since the last Dungeons and Dragons game I remember. Um, It's called Dark Alliance. Um... It's, uh, the developer said it was going to put the action back in action RPG. It looks pretty, like, cheesy. Like, the characters are almost like a, a kind of a... Caricature? Car- yeah, kind of a character, kind of a cartoony-looking thing. But there's, like, a ton of blood and gore to go with it. So it's, like, it's got its style of it, all of its own. And it, I think it looks pretty fun. You know what? You know what I just decided I want in an action RPG beat up kind of D&D game? Is just the '80s cartoon D and D characters, <laughs> except with a lot of like blood and guts and gore, because that would be—it's just totally inappropriate for that style of cartoon. Yes, all of the yes. <laughs> uh, Crow, what'd you think about this game? Do you think it looks neat? I think they have some interesting choices in camera angles that they need to really work on. That that is true. That the trailer was awkwardly cut i i will give you that but uh i you know it it looks like that kind of you know beat 'em up rpg that you know i really liked in uh dungeons and dragons heroes back on the original xbox and uh i i think it looks good uh other than the awkward ass camera angles <laughs> ori in the blind forest is getting a sequel uh i never played ori in the blind forest but a lot of people say it's good it is Crow says it's good. Crow's the only person who's qualified to have an opinion on this on this show at the moment. All right. Next Uh Magic the Gathering announcement was Magic the Gathering Legends, which is a new MMO set in the Magic Universe. I'm interested to see what they do with that. Yeah. I like if I had time for an MMO, I would definitely be interested more so than like I would be in getting back into WoW. Or even DDO for that matter. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I would like to get back into DDO, but it's so pay to win now because the studio sold it out and was like, the new you know people behind it are just like, yeah, we're just gonna let you pay to win. You know, you like. I think you can even literally just pay for levels now. You can just like pay a buttload of money up front and get a level twenty character or some bullshit. Why pay to <laughs> avoid the pay to avoid the gameplay? I guess. Right. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> best multiplayer went to Apex Legends. Um, Peyton's a real big fan of that game. Um, I haven't played it. Looks neat. Uh, Gears of War Tactics uh, is coming out. Uh, Crow, you were just talking about that a second ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're uh, interested in that? Yeah, it's basically Gears crossed with XCOM. Yeah. And anyone who knows me knows I love XCOM. Cool. 
I'm not big into that genre, but I really like Gears of War. Um, From the, you know, obviously I haven't played that since Xbox 360, but um, I would be maybe interested in this. Uh, I I think it would do better on PC. I think that style of game does way better on PC than on a controller anyway. It usually does. Uh, So, you know, when it comes to PC, I might check it out. I'm surprised there's not more XCOM-like games, because I feel like that's one of those genres where when people get into it, they get really into it. Uh-huh. Me and my 400 hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, Best Performance Award went to Mads Mikkelsen for Death Stranding. Um, his performance in that is fucking phenomenal. Um, really, probably, like, by far and away, the best acted character in that game, I think, from what I've played so far. I'm, like, 15 hours in. Uh, what do you think, Crow? Because uh, you, you've played a lot of Death Stranding too, haven't you? I haven't actually. Haven't played it yet. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I know what happens. Hmm. I haven't played it. Cool. I don't know what happens, and I have played it. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> I've like actually somehow just miraculously avoided like all spoilers for this game. I haven't been specifically trying to, but I've been like, you know, not going out of my way for them either. Uh, like, literally, I had no idea what this game even was, because, like, the trailers are so trippy and what the fucky that I, like, I just was, like, no clue what's even going on in them. I couldn't extrapolate anything from them, but I knew I fucking wanted this game. So I bought it day one. <laughs> and that was that. Um, <clears throat> the Game Awards did a new fan vote thing, where the fans could vote on, uh, you know, basically their game of the year. Um... And interestingly enough, it was like a three-day system where, like, the first day they had, like, 20 games, and then the they cut out all but the top uh, eight, I think, and then fans voted for them, and then they cut out all but the top four, and then fans voted for them the third day, and whichever one won that day was the overall winner. And I thought this was really weird, because day one, by a large margin, the winner was Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Day two, by a large margin, the winner was Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And day three, Fire Emblem Three Houses took the crown. What? Quote bomber. Yeah, I was like, that is, like, very unexpected for somebody who was, like, watching the polls this whole time. I was like, okay, after day one, I was like, okay, Smash has that much of a lead. It's probably just going to win. Second day, it's got the same amount of lead. I'm like, yep, that just gonna win and the third day it's like Fire Emblem Three Houses it's in the lead with like 40% of the votes I'm like what the fuck <laughs> it's, I mean it's not undeserving necessarily but that was really unexpected um fresh indie game of the year went to Disco Elysium um this was also presented by Reggie came back out of retirement to present this award and he gave like a speech that was more impressive than the rest of the game awards combined um, Convergence is coming out, which is another one-player League of Legends thing, but it's an action platformer. You're not going to make the magic happen again, right? <laughs> uh, Game Direction Award goes to Death Stranding. Um, the final uh, big world premiere reveal they did was for... A Fast and the Furious game 
called Crossroads, which they, they actually even got out Vin Diesel to announce this and then present the Game of the Year award. And, like, what the shit? <laughs> like, of all things, to end the this on a Fast and the Furious game? This is so fucking weird. And the graphics look like fucking like PS2, maybe PS3 era. It's like, they're Did not they, I, I don't get it. Did they give it an award, or was this just an it, ad? This this was just an ad. Okay. One of the many. You know, it, it's like one of their yeah. big world premieres that they do at Game Awards. And uh, it was like... Everyone all had already fucked <laughs> off? I guess, yeah. Because, I, I mean, you saw the first running in-engine footage from the PlayStation 5 and from the new Xbox X-something Scarlet X-Xbox thing. <laughs> and those were, like, out of the way in the first, like, 30 minutes of the show. And then there was, like, basically nothing. And then they're like, here's the final reveal. It's a Fast and the Furious game. And you're like, what the shit? Yeah, that's, that's what we were all clamoring for. That's what for. you've got? <laughs> I, I know that's what I want. <laughs> I know if I had to choose one game to play next year, it would be a Fast and the Furious game. Yeah. Right. And then Game of the Year goes very unexpectedly to Sekiro, which is odd Woo! because Sekiro lost Action Game of the Year to Devil May Cry 5, lost yeah. Game Direction to Death Stranding, lost Art Direction to to control and lost action game to somebody else. What was action game? An indie game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Adventure game, you're thinking. Yeah, right. Adventure. It, it. It. So it. It lost every single category it was nominated for, except for game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, that is so weird, right? Is that does Does that make any sense? <laughs> Uh, I'll take it. I like. I'm glad it won something. It looks like a great game, and it's it's one. It's another one that's kind of been on my list that I want to go get. But what the fuck? <laughs> this was such a what the fuck. Was year it one of the game of the year? It wasn't an award sweep, but uh, I I'm I'm not I'm sure that they ba must balance it out somehow. They're like, all right, you won enough awards this year. You're not getting any more. So uh, <laughs> right, I guess. Something maybe they got just too many complaints from Red Dead Redemption winning fuck everything last year, and they were like, maybe. okay, let's give everybody one. <laughs> I was like, horseball emulation, uh, important. Uh -huh. I don't have uh, any more thoughts than that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing I did want to mention about the Game Awards is that my buddy from high school won the Game Awards TikTok contest and was mentioned by Jeff Keeley. His name is CheesyC64. You can check him out on TikTok. Uh, he was actually in the very first episode of Drink to the Past before we started me and Chris. Uh, so you can actually go check out me talking up him about uh, the NES Classic system um, and Super NES Classic, I think. At the time that they were culturally relevant, was the first time that we, uh, you know, he, he came over and we recorded this podcast. So it's over was on my YouTube, YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's over on my YouTube channel. And it's got footage of us, like, really badly dying at Super Mario Brothers 1 on my NES Classic. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, like, bad off-camera footage because, like, my entire thing was, I'm called Zero Dollar Productions because I'm not putting in any money and I'm only putting in a little effort. 
so I, I had fun with my YouTube channel. I knew it sucked, and I, I played into that. So, yeah. The budget's increased Anyways. substantially since then. It's like a $20 budget now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. now I, I pay for a Podbean subscription. <laughs> that that That's the budget. Yeah. And Chris donated a microphone. Yep. Anyway... Cool. So uh, that's all for the Game Awards. Um, so what do you think about that clusterfuck, Chris? Uh, Game Awards always kind of struck me as a funny thing. Mostly because I play... I feel like I play a lot more indie games. Right. When I do play video games anymore these days. Uh-huh. So whatever I'm interested in is u- usually doesn't make the list. Although Disco Elysium is one I've been intending to play. Yeah, and that won actually a couple of awards here because it was Best RPG and one other or best two indie, others. Best Indie, I think? Yeah, uh, Best Fresh Indie, I think. Best Fresh Indie? Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe it also got Best Indie. Actually, I don't think... Th- I think Best Indie was actually a category that they forgot to mention in the Game Awards. There's always like one or two categories somehow that slip through the cracks and they don't actually mention in the presentation. So I, was there. I think the advertisements are given more <coughs> weight than, you know, the awards. Right. I mean, I feel like that's why 90% of people are watching is because they wanted a Breath of the Wild 2 trailer. And did not get it. Yeah, I didn't expect it anyways. I was like, yeah, it's, they showed it off at E3. You know, they might show it if they are 100% confident at a 2020 release, but I, I didn't think they were. So I think, like, I'm thinking that even if they did, they'd be like, it's coming out 2020. And then at E3, they'd be like, it's pushed back to 2021. Here's another trailer. It also kind <laughs> of surprises me that Death Stranding won as many awards as it did, given that. I feel like it's kind of a game that... And I haven't played it, so this is coming from a guy just looking from the outside. I feel like it's a game that's really polarized a lot of people, and like lots of people hate it, and lots of people just love it. And I look at it, and I'm like, I could understand why someone would not like it, and I also understand how it could be the kind of game where you could just play it and and really enjoy yourself, because it's got kind of that, I don't know, peaceful trekking atmosphere. It does, and then sometimes on the counterpoint to that peaceful trekking atmosphere, it has invisible monsters that, you know, you're trying to run away from, and you can see them sometimes, but not if you're holding your breath to try and be stealthy, and not if you're running for your fucking life. So, it's it's got a lot of tension built into it in the way that it presents the uh, encounters like that. Uh, so, I fucking love it. I think it's totally deserving. I was expecting it to be Game of the Year, um, maybe with a potential rival in Smash Brothers. Um, but, you know, weirder shit has happened. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Crow, what was your all overall impression of the Game Awards? Too many ads. Yep. That's fair. It was more about trailers than awards. Yeah. Like, even they had, like, built-in commercial breaks, which was weird, because they're, like, they're they're a live-streaming event thing. They have no good reason for a commercial break other than, like, because they want money from Stadia and Magic the Gathering, which they, like, again, (laughs) they did, like, the same trailer for Stadia, I think, twice, and the same trailer for Magic 
three times after the world premiere of it. You know Something what like I would really like to see is a Game Awards, an alternate Game Awards ceremony run by Developer <laughs> Digital. <laughs> that would be that would be a fun watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, shall we get into our table topic? Oh. Yes. Okay. All, All right. right. <clears throat> Experience, points, and progressions. What should they be awarded for? And what kind of progression systems drive fun gameplay and what systems don't? And that's oh, our theme song for the table topic. For apparently. the table. To- yeah. I just decided. And uh, I'll, I'll take credit for introducing I this. I keep topic. thinking I'm out of this vodka and Kool Aid, and then I look again, and I've got like. Still some left. You got still some. It's some weird. more in there. Uh, I'll I'll start with a don't. I don't think XP for combat or XP for murder is a good system. Mm. I think it tends to lead to fairly boring gameplay. I think I don't know. It because mechanically, I think it works well as just a rule that is easy to follow. But I see where you're coming from, where it's like if you're tracking that all the time, it can just get in the way of gameplay. Yeah, yeah. but also if someone's like, I want to level up, let's go out in the woods and fight bears until we level up, that's not very interesting. Right. It, no- well, hopefully your campaign should present them with more interesting things to do. Yeah. So so that's that's partially on the part of the DM, and too. I'll, I'll add a disclaimer to this, in that any XP system is going to... If you present a fun enough game, people do stuff despite what the XP system is, or they won't be as influenced by it. But yep. XP systems are good for providing like a default action. <coughs> right. And this is why I've been, as of late, such a big, big advocate for uh, money is experience systems, mm-hmm. is because there's a whole bunch of ways to adventure to get money. And right. there's a whole bunch of things you can do to get it that lead to all sorts of interesting situations. But, um... Adventuring to kill the next thing on the list is much more... is a much more limited kind of adventure. And and I'll also add that if you're... if you're doing stuff like you level up however many sessions, that's also fine. I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that. Uh-huh. It's if you want to go to the trouble of having an XP system. Yeah, because uh, I, I feel like that's one thing that I kind of think about when I'm designing my adventures and campaigns is, like, I... Because primarily I do them in 3.5 slash Pathfinder. And most of the time I, like, start the adventurer party in whatever level I start them at, and then I divide, design the encounters around that level... And then when I feel like, okay, sure, you've done enough stuff to level up, I'm like, okay, you guys level up. And then I start designing stuff for one level higher-ish. Yeah. You know, I, I just amp up the difficulty rating just a little bit at a time, and generally that's always worked for me. Uh, so I, I barely ever... I have actually literally never done experience calculation, except in the uh, Pokemon tabletop system that we invented back in college. Which was also a fun system. Yes, we should get back around to designing that. But that's a topic for another. That's time. a topic for another. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've had the chance to play around more with experience systems, uh-huh. and 
see some of them up close in action in a lot of ways. And I think the thing you want to look for is experience systems that if you have... Assuming that you're playing some sandbox game where you need some... Or, or you want some kind of objective method of tracking experience. Again, this isn't right. necessary in a system where you just say you level up ever so often or the DM just decides you level up. Right. Uh, you want something that can lead to a whole bunch of very varied kind of adventures and that you can get in a whole bunch of different ways and yeah. isn't too complex to figure out at the table either. Yeah. That's one thing I kind of try to avoid doing is too much experience calculation at the table as well. Yeah. Because uh, it's like... It's much easier, even if you're going to do it at the table, I feel like it should just be wait for the end of the session or something instead of, like, calculate your experience right now. And then, ooh, I level up, you know, in the middle of the session. And now I have to pick my feet and assign my skill points. And then the session is paused for 20 damn minutes. 20 minutes is definitely on the low end of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my point stands. So I, I think that's fair. Um... I'm thinking of, but you can also at, wait till the end of the session. You can do, do. I remember experimenting with an experience system for an unknown armies game, where mm -hmm. I just said, "Did you guys fail or did you succeed? And how big was your failure or success? And the bigger your failure or success, it was you'd get more experience for that." That kind of makes sense, too, yeah, because you should learn from your failures in theory. Yeah, like, if you fuck up so bad, half the party dies, and you lose your house, and the cops are after you, it makes sense you'd get more experience for that. Right, yeah. And if in, I felt like that would encourage a game where you were taking more risks and going on bigger adventures. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But, again, I only ran that game for three sessions or so, so... Right. I don't have enough experience to back that up completely. Uh-huh. Uh, Crow, what kind of experience have you had with, uh, experience? <laughs> have you ever so had far, any... It, Go ahead. When it comes to tabletops, uh, I've only done, um... Uh, like, achievement-based level-ups. Okay. So, nothing with XP. Okay, uh, so do you like that, or would, do you think that it would be preferable to have that over experience, or do you think it would be preferable to have experience over that? So it is a you know more of a core mechanic that you're actually you know paying more strict attention to. Do you think there's think merit to either one over the other? At least for beginning parties, but especially for me, it's better to have the merit-based level up. Because I'm a, like, when it comes to games, for example, I'm a grinder, right. I'm a min-maxer, and I'm greedy. <laughs> That's all fair. <clears throat> so I would be more, like, predisposed to try for some kill steals if there's XP. And that, and that's why I would, uh, and that's why I, I, th brought this topic up is because I think there are XP systems that could, that can avoid grinding, and achievement-based XP, where the DM says if you guys do this thing, you'll get this much experience, or you'll go up this level, or you'll get these benefits. Right. Uh, 
I think that's one uh, valid approach to mm-hmm. advancement. Yeah, um, and I think also it has a very, very big advantage to where at that point it, you know, I feel like the combat encounters should be progressed based on not just your level, but also, you know, what else is going on in the world, what else is going on in the campaign and stuff like that. And with literally just XP calculations, sometimes it's come up actually with uh, groups that I've played with where we do XP calculations at the end of the session even and uh, you know just to challenge us we're being thrown at like I, I remember one situation where I think the party level was like 15 or 17 or something so we're, we're pretty high level in D&D and we were being thrown uh, CR like 20 to 25 monsters and stuff but our, our group has always been kind of pretty good at min-maxing and cheesy bullshit anyway and so we took them on and we defeated them without a single player death and then at the end of the session we calculated experience and we were like everybody levels up from 15 to 22 what <laughs> no <laughs> that, we, you know that that's not a an even progression you know it it makes sense mechanically as far as the game rules work but in this particular instance, it would be like, okay, you're broken enough to fight level 22, level 25 monsters, and you do, and now you're suddenly 10 times more powerful because you level up 12 times. Or something. So, I don't think there's any one-size-fits-all XP system solution. Anything you <coughs> put in front of a group is going to have to be adjusted for that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to say that you can't have, you know, good guidelines for the DM. Yeah. But, uh, maybe not one where you go up seven levels in one night because you fought too many big things. <laughs> yeah. Because the DM was trying to kill you and failed. Yeah. And, oh, now you're seven levels too? Wait, what? Hold on. I don't, I, all my campaign stuff is prepared for that. You're going to kill it now. <laughs> <laughs> It was funny. Owen checked the numbers like three times, and he was like, "Nope, yeah, you you, you fucking go up four levels or five levels." Something. Uh, okay. I don't remember how many it was, but it was like several levels we were supposed to go up by the rules. And before people get annoyed and say, "Oh, you're only supposed to go up one level a session," that's a dumb rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so you, you should you could go with that. Yeah. So. Um. Awarding experience points for what uh, is kind of one of the questions in this topic that we haven't necessarily gone too deep into. Um, Chris, you were saying a little bit about awarding for money, and uh, Crow, you were kind of going for award for merits. Um, do you think there's a particular way to handle that? Is there like a, a it does it have to be a big enough merit to merit any XP? And like you know, you do some random. Good Samaritan thing is, you know, are you going to get a little XP or are you going to get, like, who even cares? You, you helped an old lady across the street. What do you fucking do? <laughs> Where's the line drawn? I think it could be a mix of, like, if you do something big enough and heroic enough, bam, insta-level. Right. Uh, but doing enough smaller things could amount to something. 
but obviously the higher level you go, the more you have to do or the bigger you have to go. Yeah. And I think uh, a merit-based XP system could be a good thing, but I think it would be an even better thing if you were able to say to a player, if you want to do this, this is the uh, roughly around how much experience you'd get for it so that they could actually make a decision based on that as opposed to having it be kind of a... A little ambiguous and up to interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like if you were to actually create a specific system in an RPG that is strictly merit-based rather than just DM winging it, um, I think that would be very difficult to balance, too, because it would be, again, up to interpretation of every DM, and then every player might not necessarily agree with that interpretation and then might be salty when he doesn't feel like he got a level when he should have or something like that. Although, to be fair, if a player doesn't trust the DM, that's not not usually a good sign anyway. Right. It's, it's usually a sign of much deeper things wrong with the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <clears throat> it also... Something worth pointing out is the more... I want. I almost want to say objective an experience system is, the, le- the more a player can just automatically know hey, if I do this thing, I can get this much reward out of it, which really helps for player-driven games, Mm -hmm. where they say, I want to do this, I have this long-term goal, but to get there, I want this much thing, so I'm going to go out and seek out these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like with a money-based experience system, it turns players into a bunch of greedy bastards who (laughs) go after every last gold piece, and they see... You see, they see a diamond sitting on the pedestal, and the pedestal's obviously trapped, and you say, oh, it has enough... There's enough experience. You could sell that for enough experience to level. Mm-hmm. And then you just gotta watch them figure out a plan to go and get get that, right. which is a lot of fun mm-hmm. for, I think, everyone, usually. Yeah. Uh, Except for when, you know, somebody, Tyler, touches the pedestal and <laughs> lightning trap kills me the bastard <laughs> to be fair you didn't die you just uh fell unconscious and then someone put a vest of armlessness on you that was also awkward <laughs> cool um so is there any specific other things you want to hit on this topic uh i was gonna go over one brief thing and one slightly longer thing one was the a brief, brief thing, thing and a boxer thing yeah, brief thing on a boxer thing. The brief thing was uh, experience for exploration. Oh. So you prepare a huge world. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was actually something I stole off a guy's blog. Uh-huh. He writes good game stuff, generally speaking. But uh, it was basically for exploring, getting to like various locations, you get a certain amount of experience. You say, hey, you go to this huge city on this map, you get enough experience to level it. You go to this smaller town over here that you've never seen before, you get, uh, say, one-fourth of the experience you need to level. Mm-hmm. So it just encourages going to wild new locations, uh, which I thought was an interesting approach to things. So that's the brief yeah. thing. The uh, boxer well, thing... Oh, go ahead. Before you go on that boxer thing, uh, <laughs> it's getting late, so I have to go. Oh, man. We will miss you, Crow. You're our favorite, Crow. I'm going to bail on you guys. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, well, thanks for coming, Crow. Yeah. Uh, You can hawk your stuff as usual. 
well, you have the obvious stuff. I'm a writer on TGPZ. Uh, I am also a YouTuber who doesn't do YouTube, uh, but Cobra is the name. I'm also, today, because we're recording on the 14th now, technically, at least in my time zone, uh, I'm the birthday boy. Yay! Happy birthday, Crow. I'll drink one for you. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> I, I would have drunk one for you anyway, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have fun, guys. All right. Well, All right. thanks for joining us once again, Crow, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Yeah, so long, Crow. All right. And for the rest of you, silly people, Chris will continue his boxer thing. Yeah, my boxer thing. Uh, what was it? Diegetic experience. Bless you. And that... <clears throat> Thank you. But <laughs> what I mean by that is, say there's some rare resource in the world that you can go out to acquire mm -hmm. that directly translates to, into power. But people in the game world know that it's power. Alma so yeah, like Al McCarrick. <laughs> uh, which, for the people listening to this podcast, is a mystical substance that you can mine out of the ground or smelt people's souls into to transform directly into experience on yourself that has other uses. Usually I just kill people and give it to the magic guy that makes me magic shit. Yeah. Because then he's like, I'll make you magic shit because you keep farming this shit for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, stuff like that, I feel like, tends to be pretty interesting. Or, say, not just having a resource like that, but say, your character is just this guy, but if you go to the swordsman, uh, and you do this, like, this task for him, wink, wink, uh, <laughs> he'll train you in this special technique. And if that's the only way to get techniques and, you know, get power, uh, it leads to kind of an organic style of gameplay hmm. where you have to go over and talk to new people and do things for them to learn from them hmm. or you know go into deep dungeons and find be like oh i found this spell scroll and let's say you're playing in a game without spell slots or anything like that the only spells you learn are spells that you find uh -huh. suddenly uh you go out of your way to chase down... You have to go out of your way to chase down all of the resources you'd want. Hmm. So, I kind of ha have a game that's almost there, that's kind of half-assing that approach, but I'd like to see a game where you have to actually go to people and learn from the people or get items that make you more powerful in the environment, and other than that, there's not much progression. Hmm. You know, it's odd that, well, you should mention Dungeons & Dragons Online twice in one game, but that's kind of how leveling up worked in Dungeons & Dragons Online. Huh. Because you couldn't just level up in the middle of nowhere like in every other game, pretty much. Literally, when you leveled up, when you got enough experience, you could go to a trainer and you could level up in another class or the same class. So, like, that was also how they handled multi-classing in that game because, obviously, in, you know, <clears throat> Dungeons & Dragons, you can be multiple levels of different classes. Um, so, like, but then you'd have to go to those trainers in the main town in Dungeons & Dragons Online if you wanted to level up in that class. So if you're a paladin for two levels and then you want to be a barbarian... 
to get the rage ability or something to stack with your other paladin shit, then you go to the barbarian trainer instead of the paladin trainer for that level. And he would teach you, uh, you know, the barbarian stuff. So that, that, that's actually strangely reminiscent of my good old Dungeons & Dragons online days. Huh. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I did think that, that was a good like character building kind of a thing also uh not just for your character but also for like just these random npcs in town that so often have no purpose in especially in mmos npcs in towns are like worthless but in this game like most of them had something interesting you know actually that was one of dungeons and dragons online's biggest merits anyway was most of the npcs in every town well, it was basically one big hub town, and occasionally, depending on which expansion you were in, you, you had other hub towns that were smaller, basically. But in the main hub town, like, almost everybody would have a quest for something that would go to a dungeon, usually, or uh, there was the trainers there, obviously. There was lots of different uh, bartering, you know, shop vendor guys that would have various different things and rotating inventories and things like that. Uh, which actually went a lot, a long way to world building because I feel like that was a big detriment in WoW where you're like, you're going to a shopkeeper and you're like, what do you have? And he's like, the same three shitty items that I always do that you would have no reason to ever buy because they are common items and common items in this game are shit. Worth Literally pointless. Like like this this sword, it is pointless. You cannot stab people with it. <laughs> Requires level eighty five to use. What the fuck? It's not high enough color. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like they never, you know, you literally used vendors to clear out your inventory of other shit that you didn't otherwise have something good to do with. Hmm. And they they were pointless. Gave them no personality. You know, it wasn't like. Some of the vendors in there that, you know, in Dungeons & Dragons Online would have different quests to do, things like that sometimes. Uh, you know, I remember there was one vendor in a bar that had, like, a quest to go into the bottom of his bar and see who's been stealing his ale cask. And it turns out that there's, like, this whole conspiracy with cult members or something, and you're like, what the fuck? Cultist stealing ale casks? Yeah, something. So it's just like I don't remember exactly the details. Your character it was, it was has kind of neat, and then it ends up like this whole giant ass maze is underneath the pub the entire time, and you have to go kill cultists and so, spiders and things. So the way I was thinking of it is, for some reason, you're playing a character that really wants to brew the best ale in the world, so they're traveling all over <laughs> the world to learn different brewing techniques from different people. He uh-huh. talks to this bartender who says that his ale casks are being stolen. You uncover this conspiracy. You kill the people behind it, and he agrees to teach you ale brewing skills. Plus whatever you got from killing the cult members, which was probably like a shitload of money. I feel like a campaign could be built upon the idea that all of the player characters have a perfectly mundane goal. <laughs> like one of them wants to be that brewer, and one of them wants to be... The world's finest crossdresser. This is this is a shonen anime. <laughs> this is yes. they just want to be the very best in the world at whatever their weird thing is. Right, we're like, fucking doing it. Yeah, I want to be the world's best go player. I want to play the world's best trading card game. I want to be the world's best gambler. <laughs> 
Yeah. I want to be the world's best assassin. Get out of here. <laughs> no one likes you. You can't be Travis Touchdown. You can't be Fra- No. Yeah. But yeah, that was a... I probably have more stuff to say on that, but uh, not more stuff that would be interesting to hear a guy on a talk podcast talk about. Okay. So. So, we can move on to our video game topic. Apparently, it's also the uh, video game topic theme song, I just decided. I, it's a very interesting scene transition you've got um, going on. Yeah. It's totally uh, original composition and everything. Yeah. Copyright Shawn Michael Patrick Thompson, 2019. You steal it and you owe me a quarter. Video game topic for today. Do RPG elements in every freaking video game make them better? <clears throat> no. They can. But probably not in everyone. Yeah. Like, they can make some games better. And they do make some games better. And actually, the particular games that I am complaining about are not necessarily worse because of their RPG mechanics. I just think it's odd that literally four of my PS4 games that I have played that I got within the first year I've had my PS4 all suffer from this problem. They all have the skill tree. They all have a skill tree. And it's like... And they all have it, points to it, spend. It's Yeah, it's weird. Because you the, the points feel identical. Like, the entire... RPG system feels identical between Spider-Man and God of War and Rage 2 and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. It feels exactly the same to progress your character in all four of those games for me. Because it's like, you level up, you get these points, and then you spend them in X technique, and then it tells you how to do X technique. And even when you're looking at the description in every one of these four games, it has a little video off to the side that shows your character performing this technique. All of them. I'm pretty sure I've heard this exact rant before from somebody who was not you. Yeah, which is which is kind of impressive, right? Because it's like these are four completely different games. Like, how much further can you get than these four games? Oh, do you, you know? Do you have to hold the button down every time to spend shooter. the points? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> uh, so I think RPG mechanics. The, if you're a game designer, don't just throw shit in your game and just assume that it's good. You know, playtest it and think about what you're designing. A lot of these RPG mechanics and games are thrown in because they're kind of good enough to work with whatever, but Mm -hmm. they're a symptom of lazy game design. A little bit, yeah. And, like, I don't think they were necessarily badly implemented in any of these games. I just feel like it was really weird that they were almost identical in all four of these games. And also, like... I'm not sure that they added a lot in any of the games because I like I feel like it made most sense in Horizon Zero Dawn, where you could build yourself as a melee fighter and fight everybody with your spear, or you could fight make yourself a trapper, so you're ex- you know you excel at stealth and hiding traps for your enemies and luring them into them. That's kind of cool. Or you can excel obviously at the bow, and I'm like okay this this makes sense. But at the same time, I tried to build myself as a melee fighter and as far as I got into the game I couldn't find another fucking staff than my starter staff and it sucked and I had to hit things 8 billion fucking times to kill them and it was like 
I feel like the game is telling me that I should be a bow user. Why doesn't it just make me be a bow user? Why doesn't it just... Like, in that case, I feel like pigeonholing you down one path and, like, giving you maybe some of the staff techniques... But, but like, just, just this, specifically this is, give me techniques at every level rather than letting me pick them because then I'm going to pick the ones I want. And if I don't pick the ones that are quote-unquote correct, then I'm going to feel like I'm playing the game wrong. This is kind of what I mean by lazy design, though, is that yeah. the designers clearly had an intent. And, and it's not just lazy design. It's almost bipolar design mm-hmm. uh, because... Clearly, the designers had an intended kind of experience in mind for the game, but they also let you build in a way that the game wasn't really intended to support, so it just ends up kind of being shitty. Yeah, because I feel like that was a large part of my problem, especially then once I got into this area where there's a lot of flying monsters, and I can't hardly do shit because they're flying, and I'm a melee fighter, and I don't have a dragon shout. That I can be like, sit boy. Yeah, there's no sit boy shout. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's not necessarily any problem with the game, but I, I feel like it was weird that it was like, hey, you can build yourself to be a melee fighter, but it's not going to be as good as being a bow fighter. And you say it's not a problem with the game, but I see it. It's very clearly a problem with the game. Maybe it is a problem. As with I the see game. it. Yeah, I don't know. Because I feel like it didn't detriment my enjoyment of it until I was getting into this kind of. And some of the higher level areas in general that I got into, uh, it, which were probably not even super high level for the whole game as, as a whole. Um, I don't remember what level I got to. I feel like I was maybe somewhere midway through the game. I'm not sure. It's. Um, but. It felt like, at that point, a lot of the areas I was going to were like, hey, here's these things. And also, it, like, one of the mechanics that it also introduced, again, was these, uh, like, weak points on the monsters, which were really hard to hit as a melee fighter. But if you, you know, zoomed in with your bow, and, you know, you could do almost like a Breath of the Wild slow down time kind of thing with your bow, and then you could hit them pretty easily. Worth and no- then... Like, even though I wasn't specced into bow, I would do a lot more damage by blasting these weak points than I would, you know, spamming my, you know, stick attack. That's worth noting to me is that uh, if I ever play Horizon Zero Dawn, I shouldn't play a melee fighter because apparently Mm -hmm. they're worthless. A little bit, I feel like. Yeah. And I'm told that later in the game somewhere you can get upgrades to your staff that makes it better, but... I feel like it's weird that every town you go to, every trader you find, has a new bow. And, like, some fair midway through the game, I have yet to find a single staff. So, I feel like that's another clear indicator to me that I'm playing the game wrong somehow. And I don't think there should be a wrong way to play a game. Yes. Or, I guess... I, I both agree and disagree with what you just said. I think there can be wrong ways to play a game, but I think the game should correct you towards the path where you start playing it the correct way. Right. It shouldn't... Like, if you start running into the spikes and... Like, if you jump into the spikes every time mm. in a platformer, then you're playing it the wrong way, but the game is... It's not like an inc- a non-correctable mistake. Yeah. Whereas in a game like this, they're asking you to build a character and make decisions, but some of those decisions are traps, which is 
like I said before, indicative of lazy game design. Yeah. The skills implementing any system just because it's a convenient, easily understood, easily rip, easy system to kind of rip off. Right. Copy, paste, here we go. We're good. Yeah. It's a copy, paste system. That's bad game design. Mm -hmm. And the only reason it's worked this well is because the system... The, the only reason it's being done is because the system is kind of forgiving enough to allow designers to get away with it. Right. Although, if you're a game designer and you're like, I really don't want to do this, and then it's being pushed on you, I, I, I'm sorry. That sucks. Yeah, I can see that probably happens yeah, a fair I, amount. I, I wouldn't be I, surprised. I think if you're a game designer... No game designer is ever going to want to sit down and be like, yeah, I'm going to do another skill tree of point system, and you get experience for it in right. this uh, open world game we've made. No one mm. sits down wanting to do that. Yeah. Um. Then I, I feel like there's other kind of points where it's like, it's just kind of pointless, which is what I feel in God of War. Because in God of War, you have your skill tree, and you get your techniques, and then you use your techniques. And I I don't feel like there's a good reason to have them in a skill tree form. I feel like you could just level up and get a new technique and be able to use it and equip different ones, depending. Because, like, uh, the ones I remember I had, like, uh, obviously you can throw your axe and it'll return to you, and that's pretty cool. And then I got, like, a shield bash that could stun opponents. And then I got some sort of a, an, an attack that could, like, uh, freeze opponents in place. And then I could f focus other opponents. But I don't feel like there was necessarily a good reason to make me skill tree into those rather than just, you level up, now you can freeze guys with this attack. You level up, now you can shield bash. You level up, you, you know. The, I, I feel like those could just be tied to level ups rather than skill tree points. Yeah. So it's copy-paste design that we're really criticizing here, not necessarily RPG elements. Yeah. Because there are games that are not RPGs where RPG elements are a good fit, but usually the uh -huh. RPG elements are designed to work with the game. They're not yeah. taken from another game entirely because they became a meme and someone who calls the shots mind. Right. And suddenly every game has to have this now. I feel like the exact same thing I just said could also be applied to Spider-Man. Yeah. It's like, have we covered all the games? I think there's like a lot of the... I think what the Far Cry games were famous for that, but mm -hmm. maybe I'm talking out of my ass. I haven't played them, so... Right. Also, Diablo 3 um, kind of had a very similar skill tree, although Diablo has been a series that has had skill trees forever, so I'm more forgiving on it. And I feel like it's it feels a lot more customizable because I feel like the point of a skill tree is to add customization and I don't feel like there's a major amount of customization because I feel like in God of War and Spider-Man you will eventually just have enough points to buy everything you fucking want yeah and there maybe you have to wait and choose like between oh I'm level 2 do I want this skill or that skill oh I'll get that one at level 3 whatever and then but you do like you beat up 5 more bad guys you level up again and then you've got both it doesn't fucking matter yeah. So, in Diablo... Uh, I think in 
Diablo, the games were designed with the understanding that the skill tree would be there from the bottom up, because Diablos have always been kind of an RPG as opposed to a game with RPG elements. Yeah. And in a game like Spider-Man, they may as well just give you the order in which you get your abilities, or hell, give them all to you at the start. Why not? Yeah. It's... That that would be just as fine. Hey, you know what other game would not benefit from skill tree? Celeste. Hmm. You because the abilities that you do learn in that game come from playing that game and come from even in some of like the extra bonus stages, like the B levels or C levels, the game mm. is still teaching you new abilities that you didn't even know you had but could always do. Yeah. That are just new combinations of the controls. Uh But that requires more care in the design than a skill tree that with points where you level up and get a new skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which isn't a bad mechanic on its own, but it's not a good mechanic to just throw in a game for no right. reason. And if it is there, I feel like it should be there for customization, not for, hey, we, we have RPG elements. Yeah. Or to define <coughs> your play style a little, say... Right. Kind of like Skyrim, because yeah, I feel like Skyrim had Skyrim, of course, being an RPG, had a little more thought put in. Yeah, because Skyrim does designed. these skill trees, but they do it like you have to actually spend a long time developing. You know, if over the course of the entire campaign, you can probably max out like two or three skill trees, unless you spend like a long time crafting. Then maybe some of the crafting ones too. Yeah. But, like, if you're just going through the campaign and mostly going place to place, doing a side quest here and there, you'll probably max out two or three skill trees over the course of that game. I would I would guess. Is, that, that was my experience. Mine were, like, heavy armor and uh, two-handed weapons. And maybe one other. I don't, I don't even remember if I had another. But those, Because those were pretty much all I did. I wore heavy armor, and I hit people with a sword because I was a Nord sword, because that is how you play Elder Scrolls. Yeah, and I know there are probably people out there who are thinking that... Uh, I put some points in healing magic because, yeah. like, why? It, it's why a good not? fucking thing. I know there are people out there that probably think, I don't know, I managed to max out everything in Skyrim, and go, yeah, but you played it way, way past its expiration date. Yeah. You played it for much longer than people would play it on average. It's, yeah. I could, this is a game I Because obviously sing. there's those people that are going to want to go out of their way to maximize every skill tree. That's fine. Yeah. But I don't want to do that. It's, I want to, you know, play the story, explore the world, and then, you know, when I'm done, I'm going to be done. It's not a game where Maybe 100% come, you know, completion. play through it again. But yeah, I've, I will never 100% Skyrim. Not yeah. that it's a bad game, not that it's not worth 100%ing, just I don't want to do this time sink, and I feel like I'm going to max out the skills that are going to make my character as good as I want it to be. So one of the things we could criticize in what I want it to be good in. All these other games for is that you can max out the skill tree usually by the end of the game or even earlier. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I feel like you could. Uh, in Spider-Man, like, I had a pretty good amount of points. Um, I think I'm... I don't remember. It, it gives you actually a little tracker. So I think I'm, like, 35% way through the game or something. And I'm like, 
I feel like definitely I will have the skill tree completely maxed out by the end if I'm 35% through. So, like, why doesn't it just give me all these abilities, like, level per level? Like, now you have the ability to do these... And it, it, it's weird, too, because Spider-Man does do that a little with some of Spider-Man's gadgets. It's like, at different points in the story, it's like, oh, hey, uh, Dr. Octavius just invented this thing that he gave you, and now you can use, like, uh grenade web shooters or that would be or emp web shooters i mean but that little thing right there that you just said to me is so much cooler than a skill tree yeah and that's that was another thing i was gonna go into because actually i was gonna go into another ps4 game that i've been playing a lot of which is death stranding which does exactly that all of your progression is basically through the items you get and at, the, at each point in the story you're like now you have access to a now town and they have new plans for your 3D printer and you have to bring them materials for it, but you can make new weapons now or make new items to help you explore the world or stuff like that. And that's how you progress in that game. And, uh, and I think that's a great way to handle progression because it's like at the start, you can basically just walk. That's all you can do. And it teaches you how to walk. Which, in this game, is an oddly specific mechanic that is central to the core gameplay. <laughs> it's a walking simulator, it, but not the kind you think it is. Right. <laughs> and then... You gotta like, walk with shortly, stuff on your back, too. Yeah, yeah. Shortly after that, it's like, oh, now here you have the ability to make uh, climbing ropes and ladders. And then you're like, okay, I can use ladders to go up big, steep inclines, or I can use ropes at the top. You know, I put a spike in the ground and the rope flies down and I can use those to go down steeper places than I normally could. Now I've, you know, it opens up the world a little bit more and it opens up my options of how to get around obstacles, how to get around monsters, stuff like that. Uh, uh, just more different ways to tackle situations. And then it's like 10 hours in, you get your first weapon, which is like unheard of in a game. And I thought it was like crazy that I was 10 hours in and I killed my first monster. I was like, wow. The fact that it kept me engaged for 10 hours without killing a single monster is a little bit of a testament to it. And then it felt so good to fucking kill that guy. So a little off topic here, but how, how well did you like Death Stranding? I fucking love it. It is my game of the year. Wow. Um, yeah, like, I feel like nothing even else comes close. Like, I've watched some Because I don't count Super it. Smash Brothers, because Super Smash Brothers is technically 2018. Yeah. But, uh, you know... Honestly, when it came to the Game Awards, obviously, I was like, those two are really my competitors. I think it is at least on that caliber, but it's it's really hard to compare those two because they're such different experiences. Uh, but this is absolutely my game of the year for 2019. It's interesting because I've watched uh, <coughs> I've watched gameplay videos and I can see it being like either the sort of game where sometimes I'd, like, really love it, and then uh -huh. sort of game where I'd just be frustrated as shit with it and not want to play it. Uh-huh. Um, but... I haven't had any majorly frustrating parts. I'm just playing on the normal difficulty, and I feel like that's uh, been a pretty... I, I've never actually even had any major difficulty on the normal difficulty. I haven't died yet. Uh, I've been knocked out once, uh, which actually was kind of funny, because... Uh, like, the monsters didn't kill me, because I got away from the monsters every time they tried to get me. But then it comes to some parts where you have to, like, fight, uh, like, bandits that are going around, and, like, they just try and beat up porters to get their stuff. And, you know, they're 
bandits. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because like uh, it's trying to teach you combat, and it does so very effectively, I think. But one of the things you don't think about when you're like learning combat is like learning combat with all this shit on your back. Because that adds to it. Because it's like, oh, wait, I've got all this shit on my back. You know, and they'll it'll knock you off balance sometimes if you get hit. And then you'll fall on your ass. Kinda and then they'll kick you when you're down. And then you get up and, you know, you have to kind of spring back. And when there's several guys coming at you, sometimes it's like, okay, what do, what do you legitimately do in this situation? <laughs> Probably nothing. And they beat me up. And they took all of my stuff. All of it. But they just put it in one of their storage lockers, and it, the game gives you a little cue that, like, oh, if you get up beat up by bandits, they'll just put your stuff in a storage locker at their base. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I can sneak back into their base, beat them up, because now I don't have shit on my back because they stole it, and then steal my shit back. That's great. And it's, it's also kind of interesting because as you're beating them up, sometimes they'll drop, like, some of the items that they're carrying, and then you can pick them up and hit them with it. Okay, I think you've sold me on. Yeah, so there's there's actually a lot of weird intricacies to combat mechanics that you wouldn't necessarily think of right away. And then as you're discovering them through the gameplay, it feels very natural to suddenly just be like, what? You dropped a thing. I don't care what it is. I'm going to break it over your fucking skull. (laughs) So, uh, back on the topic uh rpg stuff do we have do we have anything more to say i feel like i've been saying the exact same thing for the last yeah a little bit um so keep you know progression in a natural flowing way uh don't shoehorn in rpg mechanics where they have to don't really have a place or or any kind of mechanic really if if the mechanic doesn't fit it doesn't fit i i feel like you don't need to do what everybody else is doing to make your game... Like, your game should stand out for other reasons. Like, Horizon Zero Dawn stands out for every other reason. Rage 2 stands out for every other reason. God of War, every other reason. Spider-Man, every other reason. None of them stand out because of these RPG mechanics. It just... But all of them stand out. to me, you know what other game has a skill tree like that? Uh Uh-huh. Final Fantasy XIII. <laughs> Don't get your game compared to Final Fantasy 13. That's yeah. that's what I can say for actual game designers as well as aspiring game designers. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think that's my final word on that. That's good fucking beer. Yeah, it's good fucking beer. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually give that a whole 17. I don't think I rated it earlier. A 16 and a 17. That's yeah. A, that's that's a average pretty of a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, and Chris brings a thing is the final thing on the docket. And I bring a thing, and I was a little torn on what to bring tonight, uh, but I was going to bring yet another uh, RPG system by Kevin Crawford, Silent Legions, which you could probably pretty easily describe as Call of Cthulhu, but D&D. But it's also got some pretty neat random generators in the back, including a random kind of uh, cursed Cthulhu-y item generator. I love random generators. And a random, like, dreamscape other dimension generator, which is just plain fucking awesome. Neat. Uh, And if there was a reason to pick up the book, I would say pick it up for that. Uh, Mm. I feel like the rest of the system is well put together. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also have a random, like, Cthulhu 
gods type generator thing. Mm -hmm. So if you ever wanted something truly horrifying, uh, but you know procedurally generated, of course, because you're my particular kind of nerd, uh, mm -hmm. this would be the thing to pick up. Hmm. It's got a D80 table of backgrounds. Yeah. So if you need a quick background... Uh, a D80 table? Yeah. Have you, you never <laughs> rolled on a D80 table before? I have not. Does that come up much? Probably not much. I, I don't know. I've, I see D100 tables fairly often. Obviously. I like a, D a D8 table maybe every now and then, and a D10 table, but, but a D8 and a D10 and combined for a D1 through 80... Yeah, I feel Eight. like that's. Uh, I feel like it's a functional approach. Mm -hmm. I feel like it works. Yeah, it's got classes such as the socialite, the uh, tough, the, the tough. I am the tough. Yeah, he's just a real greaser-looking dude, right? Probably gonna fight off Cthulhu monsters with a switchblade. Yeah, I I can't say I've done and that in a couple of back Cthulhu his games. hair and get back on his motorcycle. Although I can say that I have fallen off the back of a truck and exploded. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the art and kind of some of these descriptions remind me a little bit of World of Darkness. Uh, does it share a lot of similarities there? Uh, in the sense that it's kind of like a horror tabletop game, but it's got us. From what I can tell, it's mostly much more, much closer to say Call of Cthulhu with its sanity system. Okay. And it's a uh, and then mechanically it's more and all that akin shit. to D twenty. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sounds neat. On a scale of three to seventeen, what would you rate this system? Uh, I would probably rate this a fifteen. The cool. only reason I don't rate it higher is because I feel like. It's a little slimmer pickings than it otherwise could be, mm -hmm. but it's still not that slim of pickings. It's still definitely worth the pick up and read. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, cool. I almost brought my Order of the Stick prequel comics, but uh, nice. I don't have a lot to say about those, <laughs> other than if you like 3.5 referential material that's also vaguely parody stick figure comic and then you're wrapped up in the story of that comic so you go and get the prequels uh that would be your thing yeah but I didn't bring those you brought this instead I brought this instead and that was pretty good yeah one of these days we're gonna have to actually bring our tabletop RPG which I've started working on again did you check it out I have not checked it out okay again recently uh, I made a couple of quick edits fixed some things that were like just glaring at me of being like reword this you sound like an idiot <laughs> that that usually <laughs> happens after you've written a thing and then you come back to it after a while yeah like if I go back through and read House of Flowers I'm like why did I write it like this Right. It's a run-on paragraph. No one understands what this says. <laughs> right. But most of it was still, like, pretty sensical. And actually, I was like, okay, yeah, I understand what I'm going for there. And, yeah, it, uh, so I think I'm pretty excited to, you know, actually see our thing to fruition if we ever get around to it. If we ever get around to it. Yeah, which I got partially around to it. Uh, and then I gave Dan a copy. So hopefully Dan will come join us on a podcast, and then we can run an adventure. Yeah. Eventually, you'll just have all your brothers on a podcast, and I'll uh, I'll try speaking, and then 
and won't be able to talk. Right. We'll just all four talk over each other. Yeah. All the time. Yes. It's, I mean, that's how family conversations work with us. We're just all talking to one person and listening to another at any given time. Yeah, it's going to be kind of chaotic. Right. Might be an interesting listen. Yeah. Or you might be just like, hold on, who the fuck is talking to who? Wait, did, did, did he just reply to Dan or Josh? What's, what's going on? It also won't help that you Are all Babbitt sound... Are Babbitt and Tim the same guy? Are Babbitt and Tim the same guy? The world may never know. <laughs> like, I mean, I know. I know too. You know, I I told some people that Babbitt his, and Tim I are my brothers. Told some people that his name was Babbitt, and they acted pretty confused because <laughs> I guess they know him as Tim, right? But I've only ever heard him being called Babbitt. Yeah. Weird how that works. Spoiler alert for that podcast if that ever was a thing. Yeah. Now you people that are listening to this episode at the very end are like spoiled on that, and most of the people who will listen to it are going to be like, who are these guys? Yeah. Why isn't Chris talking? He keeps trying to. <laughs> My voice will be the most distinguishable because it'll be the one that doesn't sound like anybody else's. We do all kind of sound fairly similar, yes. Yeah. You'll have the same... You all have a lot of similarities in the voice. We get it from my dad. I got the I got like the serious nerd voice, so uh, you can pick me out of a crowd. Pretty when easy. I was in school, sometimes my older brother would call me out of school so we could hang out because he <laughs> sounded like my dad on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Actually, it happened multiple times because like we stayed out too late playing D and I mean, that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now that, you know, that part of the podcast yeah, that I explain every week, and then we're like, we do the same thing anyway, so why do I bother explaining it? Or we could actually, you know, shill our shit, because we, we forget to do that sometimes. So, yeah, we do yeah, forget. I'm Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, the host. Thank you for joining us on Drink to the Past. Uh, you can check me out on twoguysplayingzelda.com, where uh, the last thing I posted... Uh, I believe was on Two Guys Playing Zelda Gaming, which is their new kind of site thing. Um, is uh, more dedicated to general gaming than just Zelda. Um, and I got, uh, let's see, uh, which one it was, an article about whether or not the Nintendo Switch was just a one-off gimmick console or whether or not we could see it having more longevity in the future. So go check that out. That's available now. Also available right now on the Two Guys Playing Zelda main site is the top five beers to pair with the Legend of Zelda series, one of which is actually this very barley wine that we are drinking. Which which uh, which game? Which game in the series? Uh, just the series in general. Uh, I, I picked five beers that pair well with Zelda because they are adventurous or uh, just good for, you know, any time of, you know, whatever's this going on. This particular barley wine, like a kick in the balls, but so smooth. A velvety kick in the balls. Yes. Anyway, I am Christopher Audette. No fancy titles here. Uh, you can find Christopher, me... Christopher, no fancy titles here, Audette. You can find me on the Twitter, where I only ever post random responses to people accusing them of uh, various sex crimes. Uh, you can also find... I told you that in confidence. Well, I'm sorry, but if you didn't want it repeated, you shouldn't have told me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> can't stop it there uh it's not my fault it's the blue-haired anime boys (laughs) (laughs) 
You can find uh, my writings on Drive-Thru RPG. I wrote House of Flowers, uh, which you can do a pay what you want. You can pick up that adventure. And I also co-authored Five Cataclysms, Core Rules Beta Edition, uh, which I wrote with my co-author. You can also pick up a lot of my co-author's adventures. Uh, They're all pretty good, uh, but you do have to pay money for them unless you're someone begging for free PDFs on 4chan, in which case I'll say, guys, one of you needs to buy it if you want to pirate it. And literally one person needs to buy some of the stuff that you want to pirate for it to get shared. But that's it. Right. <laughs> like, one person has to buy it for just so that there's a copy that you can actually pirate. I started a fake Super Smash Brothers leak on 4chan one time. <laughs> it didn't gain any traction. I'm, yeah, that doesn't surprise me that much. Yeah. I mean, most of them don't. And then most of the ones that do are, like, not believed. <laughs> so it's just like, eh, what the hell? This is what people do on 4chan, right? Start fake Super Smash Brothers leagues. Mm-hmm. And then get real anti-Semitic. Usually both in the same thread. Right. Hey, so I heard Lloyd is coming to Smash because he's not a Jew. Oh, God. <laughs> Shocker, Lloyd is a Jew. I don't even know how to respond to that. (laughs) Right. Also, eventually, we will probably publish our RPG. The Super System. Super Simple. What are we calling it? Triple S? Yeah, something like that. Super Simple System. Super Super Simple Super System. Quadruple S. Yeah, it's what I put on the uh, title page. Although, you know, for as much as that matters. Super simple. We, we could always change it, super you know, if we come up with a good title name. Anyways, it's uh, basically a superhero RPG that is a hell of a lot simpler than any superhero RPG you've ever seen, and also versatile enough that you could do a non-superhero campaign with it if you wanted to, like uh, like just traditional fantasy RPG, uh, you know, space exploration, Star Wars, Pokemon, literally fuck anything is possible in this RPG. It's got four stats. And HP. Yes. And and it fucking works. Yeah. So and uh, this we're going to get around to playtesting that some more eventually, and then we will get it out to you guys. And if you are more interested on that, then leave a comment on Podbean, and you'll be the first person to ever comment on our Podbean. Or tweet us, and we're more likely to respond there, because I don't check the comments on Podbean, because nobody comments on and, Podbean. And tweet at Sean. Don't tweet at me. I'll be like, who is this yeah. weirdo? Tweet at me, and I'll be like, I'll tweet it at... You know, at him. Yeah, and then then I'll be like, oh, Sean responded to it. Yeah. And then I'll tweet a response. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're interested in that, my name is at Spamomanospam on the Twitter. The funny thing about this is that most of the people that come across this podcast will come across it on the Twitter. That's true. That's most of the places I shill it. I also shill it on Facebook, but that doesn't really get very much traction because it's like... I don't actually want to pay for Facebook ad space. So I pretty much just like post it on the Facebook page and then share it to my personal page. And then whoever is in my friends list that has their Facebook look at my page sometimes will maybe see it. Facebook doesn't deserve money. So it's probably yeah, for the Because Facebook also is weird about the way that they handle things. Because, like, I was talking to a buddy of mine that I hadn't seen in, a, like, a while. Like, a few years, I hadn't seen this guy. And then we kind of got back together and started talking. And uh, 
he didn't know that I had started my YouTube channel. That was kind of back then when I was doing that. And it was like literally every week I was posting a video and then posting about it on Facebook and Twitter. And he hadn't seen a single one of these. <laughs> and I was like, I hadn't seen a single one of his postings just because Facebook decided for no particularly good reason that we didn't need to see each other's posts. So it literally never showed me anything in the last several years. I was like, yeah, you don't post on Facebook much, do you? And he's like, no, I post like three times a day. I was like, why doesn't it show me any of that shit? Like, because you're my Facebook's buddy. algorithm <laughs> decided you yeah, shouldn't be friends. It's, it's fucking stupid. And it's like, then I get some of these people that I'm like, I really kind of want to unfollow or block you or something. But like, you're close enough to a person that I'm close to that I feel like flack would happen. You know, usually just when people start posting like a whole bunch of like political shit on Facebook, I just uh, unfollow their posts. Mm -hmm. And I find it works out because usually those people are totally fine in person. Right. And and I, I, I don't really care about whose side the political shit is on. It's just yeah, that's another kind of issue I have with Facebook is I feel like the only reason it exists is as a vehicle for memes and shit posting for your party which i'm not I'm not interested in fighting a party war right it's like if i wanted to do that i would vote just so you know people we're <laughs> all in like we're enlightened centrists we think having a position is stupid we follow the stone of neutrality. We follow the stone of neutrality. He is the only guiding force in the universe if that you, really matters because of how little he matters. Yeah. If you touch him, he'll disintegrate. It's kinky. You should try it with your dick. Which one? <laughs>